First John chapter three, first John chapter three and verse eleven. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then verse twenty three. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, in verse 23, and love one another as he gave us commandments. So, two things there believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and secondly, love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, This is a family relationship that the Apostle John has in mind here. Um, He's saying that you belong to the family of God, and because you belong to the family of God, this implies certain duties to the family. And first and foremost is this duty to love one another. We should love. We should. You see, it's a duty. We should love one another. And uh, we have a duty to do this for, for one reason, to uphold the family name. You know, when your children are in public, maybe when they were little, you know, and, and they say thank you and please and yes ma'am and no sir or yes sir, and you're proud of them, right? Because you, you, that's how I taught them to act. And they're acting like s- civilized human beings when I get them out in public, you know. But when they misbehave and when they are, you know, uh, rude or when they don't look a person in the eyes and, you know, and they don't listen when an adult's talking to them, then what? Well, you're disappointed in them. You're not pleased with their behavior. In the same way, we have a family relationship and a family name to uphold. And what the Lord is concerned about with us is that we would love one another, love one another. Because Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. This is how everybody's going to know that you belong to me. That you're a follower of me. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. If you love one another. Jesus said, they're going to know you're my disciples. You see, we have a name to uphold. And uh, you, you've heard people use the phrase like this. They talk about uh, living up to the family name. And for some of us, we look back in the family tree, you know. And we look back in the family tree and we might find some horse thieves back in there. Or some chicken thieves. You look in the family tree and you might find some couple of men strung up with a rope and a noose in your family tree. I don't know. When you look back what you see, you might, you might find in your family tree adulterers, gamblers, moonshiners. And, and then for someone like that, with a family like that, if a young man starts out in life and, and if he goes the way of Cain and, and starts breaking the law, they would just say he's living up to the family name, right? On the other hand, if you have a family that has a history and a, and a reputation for being honest in business and for treating their neighbor well and for paying all their just debts, you know, and, and uh, for, for just living by the golden rule, when a, when a young man or a young lady starts out in life and into adulthood, and if they follow that same thing, they'd say they're living up to the family name. 
of honesty and good reputation. But if they come from a good family, as far as men go, you understand, and then they go the way of Cain, then you would say that they're tarnishing the reputation of that family name, right? With that same thing in mind, that's what John is talking about. He's talking about a family relationship. He's talking about the duties of Christian brothers and sisters toward one another and toward the, the one who gave us this commandment to love one another. So one of our duties, and it is in fact the greatest of all of our responsibilities, that is to love one another. So don't you think we ought to understand how exactly this works and how do we know when we're doing it, you know? Um, it's important to know here, again, that John is addressing only Christians. I want to emphasize that. I want to say that several times. I'm going to come back to it and say it again. He's only talking to Christians. And listen, I don't want to drag the family name through the mud. And I don't want this church to have uh, a reputation for being... You know, a fighting church and a splitting church and problems and issues. And, and uh, you know what? We've, we've been through some things, haven't we, since I've been here? We've been through some things. But listen, I'm going to look on the bright side. I'm going to look on all the good things that have happened. And there's been a lot of good. And there's been a lot of love that you guys have shown me. And, and I love you and I hope you know it and... And I hope that I receive that same love and, and everything. And, and people are going to talk, right? But let's do this. Let's love one another. And, and that, that amounts to more than just loving the people in this room, right? Because he's saying, love your brother. Well, my brother could be going to a different church. My brother could be going to, if they're saved... They could be going to several different churches in the area. They might be here in Racine, or they might be in Pomeroy, or, you know, over across the river in West Virginia. Uh, they might be up there in uh, Syracuse. Uh, we, we don't know where they might be. Up in Ravenswood, or down in Ripley. Love your brother. Love your sister in Jesus Christ. Let's have a reputation for that. And let's feel like a commitment, like it's our duty to the family of God to do this because Jesus said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one toward another. So here's a real simple outline, all right? Point number one why should we do it? Why should we do it? Why should we love one another? Verse 23 because it's a command. You see it? And this is his command that we should believe on the name of his son. Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. You see, He's going all the way back to the beginning. And He said in verse 11, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. He's writing to Christians, and He said, You heard this from the beginning. From the beginning of what? Well, from the beginning when they first heard about Jesus, the Messiah, and first heard about His teachings. He's going all the way back to the beginning. And uh, when did you first hear about Jesus Christ? When did you first hear about his teachings? For many of you, I imagine it was probably in Sunday school. I imagine a lot of you grew up in school, but that might not be the truth or the case for every one of us in here. But from the beginning, you heard about these things. And uh, the apostles were certain that when they went into a, a, a congregation and when they taught, they taught the, the commandments of Christ. They were sure to teach 
the, the, the message of Jesus Christ and teach what Jesus taught them. They passed that on to somebody else. And they said, when you first heard it, when we first came to you and you first heard it, this is the message from the beginning that we should love one another. And so they put that on them. It was a commandment. That's why you should do it. That ought to be simple enough, right? Some people are not easy to love. I'm talking about Christians, right? Some Christians are not easy to love, but yet we're supposed to love them anyhow. You know, uh, We might not like everybody in the body of Christ, but we are to love them. You say, I just don't know if I feel that way about them. It's more than a feeling. I'm going to talk about that. It's more than a feeling. Love is an action. Love is an action word. It's something that we do. And we're commanded to do it. Even to somebody that we don't necessarily feel like loving. We're commanded to do it. Sometimes it comes in the form, this love comes in the form of forgiving other believers. You know, Peter asked, how many times, Lord, do I have to forgive my brother? And uh, till seven times, you know, and Jesus gave him the answer, till 70 times seven. And sometimes it comes in the form of forgiveness. Uh, loving one another comes in the form of being gracious with other believers, just think of how much God has put up with, with you, you know, and be gracious with other people. Give them a chance and uh, encourage them, bless them with your words, edify them, build them up, don't tear them down. But it's a command to do, you see. It comes from Jesus Christ. Did you know this? Christians have commands that we live by. Did you know this, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, he taught nine of the big ten commandments. You know, thou shalt have no other gods before me, not make any graven image, you know, honor your father and mother. The Apostle Paul, at different times in his writings, he reinforced ten of those. There's only one that he did not reinforce. Do you know which one it is? It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a sign for the Jews. It's not for us. Our day of worship is on Sunday first day of the week. It was changed for the Christian church. But nine of those Paul gave us. You say, what does that mean? That means that those things are binding on us. And the only way for us to to fulfill the law is to walk in the Spirit. You can't do it. You can't do it. But as you walk in the Spirit, you fulfill the righteousness of the law. And you yield to what God wants to do in your life. And what God wants us to do is He wants us to love one another. That's another commandment that we have. Among many other commandments. There's a commandment that Jesus said, if you're, if you're going up to the altar to offer your gift to God, and you find out that your brother has ought against you, then you don't be trying to worship me and bring your, your offering. Go to your brother and make that thing right. Apologize. Make it right. Set it right. Whatever it is. And say, God help me not to do that again. And once you've set it right, then you come back and you can worship. And then you can make your offering. There's different things that we live by as Christians. We live by the, the rule of loving your enemy. And so, so many different commands that are in there that we're supposed to follow. It's a command. So, number two, who should we do it for? Who should we do it for? Well, we have the family relationship in view. So, I want to say, first of all, and don't miss this, We've got to do it to the family of God. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34. It's to the family of God. Because for some reason, we can feel awful good about ourselves when we love 
people that are not saved, people that are not Christians, even loving our enemies, but we begrudge and we kind of drag our feet about loving our brother and our sister in Christ. And so we can feel good when we give a handout to somebody standing on a street corner and say, well, I've done my part or, or I've paid for somebody's lunch behind me in line, some, some complete stranger that I don't know, but then come into church and then hold a grudge against your brother and sister in Christ and think that you're walking like Jesus Christ and being loving and you're not because you're not loving your brother and sister. That's the first primary use of this command. Love one another. So John chapter 13 and verse 34 John chapter 13 and verse 34. This is John's gospel. And uh, he wrote this thing to lost people. The audience was for lost people, by the way. And uh, this is the only book that you'll find in your New Testament that was written like a gospel tract. Written for an audience of lost people. To read and believe it and be saved and have eternal life. So John chapter 13 verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you. You see that? This is the new commandment that Christ gave unto who? He said to you. Who is he talking to? Whenever you're studying the Bible... You've got to find out who's talking and who they're talking to, and you can learn a great deal. Who's he talking to? Can you see it in the context? Do you, if you know the Gospel of John at all, you kind of know where you are in the timeline. And uh, look back at verse 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, who's that? Judas. You see in verse 27... Uh, Jesus said to John, John was saying, who is it, Lord? Who's the one that's going to betray you? And Jesus said, it's the one that I'm going to give the sop to. And uh, in Eastern meals, they'd have these little plates, and it has olive oil and different things, salt and pepper and things like that in there. And they had their bread. They almost always had bread, and it was uh, unleavened bread, and it tear off a chunk and dip it in there and maybe dip it in some other things. Uh, and Jesus said to John, the one that I give the sop to, that's him. And so he, he took a piece of that and he gave it to Judas. And he said, he's the one that's going to betray me. The only people at the table who knew who it was, was Jesus and John. John was the only one who was let in on that. And, and John only asked Jesus because Peter told John to ask Jesus because Peter knew John was the closest to Jesus. And so as soon as he gave that sop, which is interesting because SOP, those are the letters for son of perdition. But anyways, he gave that to Judas. What happened? Judas got up and went out to go sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. So the only people left in the room are who? The 11 disciples. 11 disciples. That's who Jesus gave the commandment to. Not to a mixed crowd of saved and unsaved, but to a crowd of only Christian men. Here's the commandment I give unto you, that ye, plural, love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And then these guys got that message big time, and then everywhere that they went, they said, Jesus gave us this commandment one time. And it was just after Judas was sent out of the room and Judas went to betray him. And he told us, love one another. And he wants you to love one another. That's the commandment. Do it for Christians. 
So it's only to believers, this commandment. And it says specifically, one another. You say, does that mean that we don't have to love this world or love people who are you know, uh, needy and, and, and uh, who are you know, poor? And, and, uh, no, I'm not saying that because you have the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And, and we know that we're supposed to do good you know, even to our enemies. But we can't miss the point that what we're responsible to do is to love one another. So come back to John, 1 John chapter 3. And he even says that this is pleasing. This is pleasing to the Lord when we do this. We want to make sure that we're doing it. Uh, here's another good question. When should we do it? So, so far we've talked about why we should do it, who we should do it for, and when should we do it? You know, a lot of times those people standing out on the corner, like the other day we were up in uh, Columbus, and you had these people standing out in the corner, and it's below freezing. It's like 26, 28 degrees out there, and you look at them and you think, there's got to be an easier way to make a, a living. There's so many jobs right now. Why can't you go get a job? You can work somewhere inside where it's not cold. But the thing is, is a lot of those people are professional beggars, and they make a lot more money doing that than they would working in a grocery store or somewhere else. They're professional and it's under the table, tax-free. Not all of them. And some of them are vets that are down and out and things like that. And, uh, you, you know, in, in some of those cases, listen, I know the deal and I know you do too. I go into gas stations. Uh, I remember going into gas stations and when, I was, when I'd be taking a man who came to the church for help. And if he came to the church and he asked for help, you know, and uh, the Lord says to help if somebody asks for help, right? But uh, you just kind of use your best judgment and, and you try to you know, follow the leading of the Lord. Lord, do you want me to help this person? And, and in some cases, you're enabling them if you help them. Because if you just give them money, they're going to go out and, and buy wild Irish rose with it or something like that. You know? And so what we would do is, is uh, pastors say, John, take this guy to uh, the Dollar General or to the grocery store, buy him some things, and then go pay for a room for him. So he gets a room overnight. In the real cold months. It's not that we didn't help, but some of those people we kind of knew because they were regulars. But uh, you've you got to be careful with that because in some cases you, you just give somebody $20 on the side of the road, you're just enabling them to live in their sin. And you've done what? You've given them something to drink to maybe take the edge off of the cold and help them with their misery, but then they're going to die and go to hell. You've done nothing to help them. And, uh, and then go away feeling good about that? I don't think so. Uh, so I think, you know, if you're going to help people, yeah, help them out, but be wise about how you do it and pray and say, Lord, is it, do you want me to help this person? Sometimes the Lord will say, I want you to help them. You know, and then you should. So I'm not saying we shouldn't be charitable, but what I'm saying is that why is it that we can be good and love perfect strangers, but we have a hard time loving the people that we live with, you know, right here, that we have to live with all the time. And I'm just saying that we have a responsibility to love one another. And I know, I know I'm talking to a group of people and you all have shown me how to love and how, how this works, how a church loves one another. And so I'm not trying to, to tell you that I don't think you're doing it. But if the shoe fits, wear it. And if you're not struggling with loving your brother right now, you probably will. And you need to hear, it's a command. I don't have a choice. It's not like I'm going to be able to stand before the Lord and be like, I know you said that, Lord, but... You think that's going to fly? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Um, when should we do it? Look at verse 17. When should we do it? But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need. That's when you should do it. Whenever your brother, you know, or your sister in Christ, whenever they're in need. So we're supposed to take care of one another. That can be right here in this church, and you just see a need. Uh, or it might be in another church in the community, we hear of a need. Recently, I heard of a need that is in another church up in Toledo, Ohio. A pastor there, uh, just a young pastor who was uh, chosen by the, 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 the former pastor who started that church. And the church grew to about 600 people and good King James Bible believing, King James only church. Grew to 600 people in Toledo. Don't tell me singing hymns and things like that. It will never work. That's what they did. Sang hymns, preached from the King James Bible, upheld the King James Bible, and showed people the errors in the, in the modern translations. And they grew that church to 600 people, did a fine job, and then he chose a man, and a good man, to take the pastorate. Not Over 90% of the people voted on him and brought him in, and everything was going smooth until one guy decided he was not going to love his brother. And then what he did, this just happened, and it's not, it's not uh, gossip, it's a lesson. For us to learn. What he did was, he came in and he said, why didn't you give me a chance? And he said, what do you mean, why didn't I give you a chance? The Lord led me to bring this brother in, and then the church voted on him. This is the new pastor. I didn't ask you to be the pastor. And so he got all upset, and what did he do? He didn't love his brother. He didn't love that church. He led 12 families away. That's basically 120 people, enough to start another church. Led him away, went on the other side of the town. You can't tell me God was in that. And it started another church. That stuff happens all the time. And God is not anywhere near that. Started another church. And then you know what happened to that pastor over Christmas? The one that was there and called of God and the people voted him in? His house burnt down. They lost everything. When you're tried, when you're tempted. Count it all joy when you go through various temptations, right? Right? Let patience have her perfect work. Because God's working on perfecting that, that young man. God will take a man, break a man, and make a man. You know God's going to do something great with him because he's taking him through all this stuff. Letting it happen to him. Well, the house burnt down. And you know what happened as a result? Yeah, the church is pretty well off. And, and they're able to take care of that. But, it, but they took, a, they took a, you know, a chunk of their offerings by taking 12 families away. And yeah, he, he probably had homeowner's insurance and so on and so forth. But when you lose everything, you lose everything, we need to help him out. You know? So they started a GoFundMe account and different people put money in there into that account and raising money to help this pastor and his wife and their family to put, the, put their home back together. That's an example of loving one another. They saw a need, a real need. They saw a need, they took the lead, and they uh, are meeting that need right now. And, you know, when should we do it? When you see a need. When you see a need. And when the Lord prompts you. Sometimes, you know, the Lord might say, I want you to do something for this person. And, and, and the Lord will tell you how much. Maybe you can't meet all the need, but maybe you can meet part of it. 
I'd like to do something to help you out a little bit here. The Lord put this on my heart, and I know that you have a need there, and I hope you'll accept this from me as from the Lord. And, you know, when you see a need, when the Lord prompts you, that's when, that's when you should do it. And uh, number four, how should we do it? How should we do it? There in verse 17 it says, But whoso hath this world's good. You know what that mean, means right there, this world's good? That means that you, you have enough to pay your bills. You have enough to take care of your family. Because if you don't have enough to take care of your family, then you need to work on getting another job to take care of your family as a man of the house. Uh, or, you know, different situations there with, you know, maybe one of you needs to take a second job or something like that or do a change to a different job. But the Bible says that if a man doesn't take care of his own, then he's denied the faith, right? He's worse than an infidel if he doesn't care for his own household. So it's not like the Lord would ever ask you to take money that you were going to use to pay your light bill and take that and give that to somebody else. God would never lead you against his word. So if you don't have money to pay your light bill, listen, you're the one in need. You don't need to be going around helping out other people financially. But if you got money to pay your light bill and you have above what you need, then you have the world's good. You have this world's good. You have an excess. So how should you do it? Do it if you have an excess. And if you have an excess, then you can help out financially. But if you don't have an excess, sometimes the need comes in forms that are different than just money. Sometimes it comes in the form of just a visit. And just to put your hand on their hand and, and tell them that you love them and you're praying for them. And, and sometimes it just comes in the form of just being an ear to listen, uh, just to give your time to people and so on and so forth. But you see somebody has a need. Uh, so who, whoso hath this world's good? Has the Lord given you an excess? Do you have an abundance? I know this. I know why the Lord gave it to you and why he gave it to me. He gave it to us so that we can be a blessing to other people. He's going to show us people who have needs. He's trying to grow his children by teaching his children to share and teaching them to, uh, to take care of others. Now, fifthly and lastly, where should we do it? So we talked about <clears throat> why should we do it? Who should we do it for? When should we do it? How should we do it? Lastly, where should we do it? Well, let's just look back at our verse then in verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And for this last point, where should we do it? I'd just like to say this, just briefly. We should just meet one another where we are. You know, you just meet that person that's in need wherever they are. I learned some things about handling money. Um, I learned that, you know, once you're able to pay your bills, then you want to uh, pay off any debts that you have. You don't want to live in debt. Debt is not wrong, but to, to get yourself in so much debt you can't pay it off to the point to where, you know, you're serving your money rather than your money serving you. If you can't pay your, your debts, then uh, you're not in good shape financially. So I learned that you're supposed to save up $1,000 and uh, once you've saved up that $1,000, that's an emergency fund. So if the washing machine goes down or if you're, you know, your heat pump and your, and your car goes down or something like that or you have you know, a blowout or something in the tires and you need to do, you know, you've got money in there for an emergency. When, it, when an emergency comes, you're not fighting with your spouse trying to, what are we going to do? And I told you this was going to happen and that kind of thing. Maybe I can ask mom and dad and see if they'll help me out. You know, maybe I can go take a loan or something. You're not fighting over money. 
You've got a plan. You've got $1,000. And then you pay off your, your debt. And, uh, and then you save up uh, you know, so many months of, of whatever it takes to pay your bills for three months. And you, you save that up so that you have it. So you've got a plan. You learned how to manage money. And then you learn not to live above your means and so on and so forth. There's some people who haven't learned that. They've never learned it and they never are going to learn it. They've never learned how to manage money. Or they never had much money. Or they never could handle it when they had it. Our job is not to look down on them. Our job is just to meet them where they are. Help. Maybe teach some money management type things, you know, but just help. Just thank God you got somebody to help. Sometimes a person has been doing everything that they were supposed to do and the bottom drops out underneath them. Meet them where they are. Meet them where they are. Sometimes a person, you know, they haven't been exactly practicing this whole love your brother stuff. And they're, you know that, that, that that doesn't please the Lord. And you know they haven't uh, been doing what the Lord commanded. But then they come into a point of need. What are you supposed to do? Say, well, that's what you get. No, just meet them where they are. Love them anyways. That might be the thing that breaks their heart. And causes them to get in line with this commandment. Just helping them out when they have need. But we shouldn't ever look down on a brother and sister in Christ. And listen, brothers or sisters, we should never be so proud as to say, I don't need help. Don't do that. Because the Lord wants us to care for one another. Love one another. I I know certain people, they just won't take help. If I can't earn it, if I can't take care of it myself, I just don't want your help. Well, like I said, the help comes in different ways, more than just in money ways and financial ways. Uh, I've got to bring this thing to a close, but I know of a, of a man who's faithfully been preaching for the Lord for years and years and years, and he's just gotten to the point to where he's having a hard time getting around the house, having a hard time doing just basic things that you do every day. You know what I'm talking about? And he's had some younger people from his church coming to help him in his home get around, get some things straightened up, take care of some things, even sometimes uh, going to the bathroom or changing clothes, making something safe so you don't fall. You see a need and you take care of the need, that kind of thing. It doesn't always come in the form of, of money and we're supposed to help one another. So maturing believers learn to care for others and to think of themselves. That's a mark of a mature Christian. They start to think about others and their needs. And if you're doing what's right, then you can have the confidence that you're doing what Jesus would have you to do. And there's this extra incentive to do it, guys. If you look at verse 23, this is His commandment that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. I hope you've done that this morning. If you haven't done that, I want you to talk to me. If you've never believed on the name of Jesus Christ. And love one another as He gave us commandment Look at this. He that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him. And he tells us that if you don't do these things, that your heart will lack the confidence that it needs. See that in verse 19? Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Now that's not talking about at the judgment. That's talking about when we come before him in prayer. But if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God in prayer, not at the judgment. You say, how do you know that? Look at the next verse. Whatsoever we ask, 
we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. If you'll keep this commandment to love your brother, you'll know that when you come before the Lord, you get down on your knees in prayer, you can come with great confidence knowing that what I'm doing is pleasing to the Lord. And what, whatever I ask, I will receive of him because I'm doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. This is one of those conditions for prayer. There's, there's five prayer hindrances in the Bible. Do you know where they are? I think we ought to know, don't you? Five prayer hindrances. This is one of them. Not loving your brother. Not obeying this command. But he says, if you're doing it, then you can come confidently. Listen, I know what it feels like to get down on my knees and to have some things I really need. I need some answers. I need God to move in this situation. I need God to help me. And some troubles hit my life, but I know that there's some things in my life that's not pleasing to the Lord. And I get down on my knees and I try to pray, but I'm just struggling in prayer. It feels like, you know, the heavens are brass, that God is just not hearing me. My faith is little and weak, and and I just feel like I got up and nothing happened. I know what it feels like to be like that in prayer. And I also know what it feels like when I know that I'm walking with the Lord, there's nothing between my soul and the Savior, and uh, to the best of my knowledge, I'm doing the things that are pleasing to his, in His sight, and I'm just walking in fellowship, man, and experiencing personal revival. And when I get down on my knees, I have this confidence and this assurance that, that God is hearing my prayers, and my faith is strong, and I'm saying, God, I'm believing you for this, I'm trusting you for this, I believe this is according to your will, and just with great confidence, able to get up and to, and to say, I believe the Lord heard me. I believe that this will be done, that God has sent some help and help is on its way. I know what it feels like in both cases. And listen, if you're not loving your brother, he said that this will hinder your prayer life in verse 22. It'll hinder your prayer life. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. How are you doing this morning with love in your brother? I'd like you to take these thoughts with you. It's a good outline. Why should we do it? Who should we do it for? Let's make sure we're doing it first, first of all for the church, for other Christians. When should we do it? When we see a need? How should we do it to the best of our ability as God leads? Where should we do it? Meet them right where they are, no matter what, whether there's some contention between you or not. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you know, what I say means very little if what I do doesn't match what I say. And if I say, I love you, but my, my life doesn't match my lips, then you know those words mean very little. But if I say, I love you, and then my actions match what I'm saying, then those words mean a lot. Let us love in word. Let us love in deed. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message today, Lord, and thank you for giving me the strength to be able to get up and to give the message. I've given what I believe you'd have me to give this morning. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us now. And Lord, um, I don't know what's going on in this congregation. As far as I know, there, there are no issues. And, uh, but Lord, you know, you know everything, or you know what we might be facing in the future. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to love one another in this church.
Lord, to, uh, to uphold the family name. And Lord, that others would know that we're disciples of Christ by our love for one another. And, and God, I, I thank you that I've seen a whole lot of this in the church. And, and uh, I believe you had me give this message this morning for a reason. So I don't know exactly what it is. And I just thank you for it. And I know it's not, just be, it's not because we're nice, sweet people. It's because of the gracious influence of the Spirit of Christ. And because of the gospel, this area has had the gospel for so long. And God, I thank you for that. And I, and I give you thanks for Christian love. And Lord, one of these days we're going to stand before you in judgment. And uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, I know this is going to be dealt with, whether or not we love the brethren. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do this. Forgive us for where we've, we've not done this. Lord, there's so much that could be said about this, but I'm just going to commit it to you and trust it into your, into your hands, Lord. Help us this coming week to think about this. Help, help, help us in our fellowship to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What's our song? 451. 451. Love one another. In the light of 